Chapter 11 of Our Feathered Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Smiling Jane. Our Feathered Friends by Elizabeth and Joseph Grinnell. Chapter 11. Some Birds with a Bad Name. A good name is what we all want in this world. We like to have people speak well of us behind our backs. There are a few birds which have a bad name. Sometimes they deserve what is said of them, and sometimes they are quite innocent. It is always well for us to find out for ourselves if what we hear about birds is quite true. There is a kingbird or bee martin, Farmers think him a very wicked little fellow, catching the bees on the wing and eating greedily whole swarms of them. Mr. Farmer has not yet found out everything about the bee martin, or he would know that he eats a good many enemies of the bees, even if he does swallow a few of the bees themselves. We once saw these birds around our beehive, and felt certain that they were eating the bees. They would dart close to the hives, snapping their bills and looking very savage. But we were willing to watch a long while, that we might be certain if we were not mistaken, and we did just right. There was some tall grass near the hives, and we noticed swarms of strange-looking black and blue flies all over the grass. We saw these flies dart out to the front of the hive and kill the bees faster than the birds could have done it. Waiting a little longer, we found that the birds were on the watch for these flies, and it was these they were catching instead of the bees at that particular time. A certain naturalist who has spent a good deal of time trying to find out if the bee birds do really kill bees has told us a little secret, which is very interesting and may lead some other people to investigate the matter. He says that he has never found a worker bee in the stomach of a bee bird, though he has examined a great many of them. He has found only drones, which the worker bees are very glad to get rid of and often kill because they are lazy and eat honey without gathering any for winter. Perhaps one reason why the bee bird prefers the drone to the worker is because the drones have no stings. By all this, you see that it pays us to take some trouble to find out all the good there is about anybody. However, it cannot be denied that the kingbirds do eat bees when they can find nothing they like better. We have often wondered what they do with so many stings and why they are not poisoned by them. We have not examined a kingbird's throat to find out the secret, but a friend of ours did look at the throat of a toad which persisted in eating his bees on warm summer evenings. This man found a good many stings on the side of the toad's throat, 
which had caught there when he swallowed the bees. Stings are probably not poisonous to toads and bee birds. Hardly anybody speaks a good word for the butcher bird or shrike. Yet this bird is not half as bad as most people think he is. It is true that he has been caught a few times in doing very naughty things, such as making a dinner on a small chicken or on birds weaker than himself. But his most common food consists of insects, especially Jerusalem crickets. This great yellow cricket is an inch or two inches long, and he looks as bad as he's reported to be, for he wears a suit of clothes with brown and yellow stripes running around instead of up and down in the usual way for stripes. This makes one think of a convict or a convict suits of clothes. Now your strike or butcher bird does us a great favor by making as many meals as he can of these great crickets. These crickets are the fellows that dig holes in our potatoes while they are in the ground and bite the roots off from our pansies and other plants. The butcher bird also eats grasshoppers and beetles and other enemies to our roots and grains. So we see that he is more our friend than our enemy. This bird, which we have all learned to despise so much, could teach us a good lesson in his line of work, for he is a very merciful and kind butcher. He is in the habit of killing his victim quickly and does not hang it up alive on a thorn as some people think he does. He probably fastens his dinner in that way that he may pull it to pieces easier and know where to find it when he is hungry again. The English sparrow is another bird that has a bad name, and he deserves what is said of him more than some of the other birds. He is quarrelsome and selfish and very unlovable. But in spite of this, we have sometimes put him to a good use, and have grown to look upon the little tyrant as quite capable of adding to the comfort of our families. Once there was a sick child in our family, and we happened to think that the sparrow would make a good supper for our little invalid, the bird was small fry, to be sure, but we cooked them and they were good eating. Then we gathered all the sparrow's eggs we could reach every morning and cooked them. They were delicious. We felt that it was not wrong for us to take a good many of these eggs, for there were countless more. We found that we could tempt the hen birds to lay their eggs close to the door by placing hay above the sills and around the window corners, just as you would make a hen's nest for Mistress Biddy. This disposition of the English sparrow to become domesticated like our hens once came near making trouble in money matters. Captain R. H. Pratt of the Carlees Indian School noted that the sparrows were driving all the other birds away from the school grounds, offered a penny a set for all the eggs which should be brought to him. The little Indian students 
200 or more of them made a raid on the grounds and brought so many eggs to the captain that he began to think he should have no money left. He thought, surely there cannot be so many nests as there are sets of eggs. So he set himself to work to find out the secret. It had not taken the boys long to learn that Mrs. Sparrow would lay right along, just like a hen, if the nest itself were not destroyed. The eggs were taken out cautiously as often as four or five were laid, and the industrious little Indian claimed his reward. It was a good scheme at money-making, but the alert superintendent soon found it out and, of course, took back his offer. There was no more bounty given for Sparrow's eggs that summer. California farmers complain a good deal about the linnets. One man, whom we know spent whole days in March killing the linnets because he thought they were eating up his peach buds. In the late summer, we went over to see him. And what do you think he was doing? We found him pulling off half of the little peaches and throwing them on the ground. Good morning, sir, we said, stopping at the street along the edge of the field. What are you doing? He looked up and answered, Oh, I am thinning out the peaches. They are too thick on the boughs, and they will grow larger if there are only half as many left. We always have to thin them out in this way before fall. But, sir, we said, don't you think it would have saved you some trouble if you had let the linnets thin the peaches for you in the spring? They would have eaten more insects than peaches, too, and not have charged you a dollar for all their work. The man looked surprised and scratched his head in a sorry sort of way. Then he said, why, I've never thought of that. I was told that the linnets do a great deal of damage. I will get them to take care of my peach orchard next year. I am sorry I made such a mistake. End of chapter 11